Hi there, uh, this is Andrew here. James' letter, Faith at Works, Bible study number two. Um, this is the second of our home Bible studies. and uh, We did it last evening in Marianne's house and we had a lovely time there. And we were looking at the subject of trials and temptations. Uh, you'll find uh, in the Dropbox not only um, the questions that we set beforehand, but also um, the, the handout that we gave out at the time. So you can access that in Dropbox. Uh, I would say um, just at the start of this podcast that um, I'm just going to try these podcasts over the next um, James series and we'll see how they go. If people are using them, um, I'll keep doing them. There's no point in me doing them if, if it's no use to anybody. So please let me know if you find them useful. Um, and, and if you're able to follow on and, and try and do a little bit of study through James yourself as a result of it. So as you can see from the little um, handout that I, I've given out um, and, and on, the, on the Dropbox, you'll notice that the second of these studies is on trials and temptations. What's the difference? And you'll notice um, I've put it in that way. Um, I put we funny, uh, funny Crosby's we... Um, um, him, are there trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Um, really, the the whole section from James one, uh, chapter one, verse one, right down to verse eighteen, it covers the subjects of trials and temptations. We're going to see that um, trials really takes up those first twelve verses. What are they? Um. We'll think about that. And then temptations will take up from verse 13 to verse number 18. We were pointing out the fact that this word for trials and the word for temptation is actually the same word in Greek, but the context determines um, its usage, um, what's being made uh, of it. We, we, We looked at the word light. You'll see the wee light bulb down in the corner. The light that made the room light was very light. Now there you've used the word light, exactly the same word in the same sentence, and you're you're using it in three different ways. And the same thing is true with with, um, trials and temptations. The word, um, in a sense, it means testing and approving and all these kind of things. But behind it is this thought of uh, either trials, tests, or on some occasions, temptations, specific temptations. What's the difference between trials and temptations? Well, I put a little rule of thumb down at the bottom of the page. The devil tempts to bring out the badness. The Lord tests or or tries us to bring out the goodness. And you can think of Abraham in Genesis 22, and it says the Lord did tempt Abraham, it says in the old version, but probably better the Lord to test Abraham Um, so that's kind of just trials and temptations what the difference and as a rule of thumb now there's more to it than that trials are those circumstances that we fall into we'll think about that soon Um, whereas temptations are those kind of inner compulsions that we have towards that something that's wrong that we must resist Um. And we'll find out while the Lord might bring us into trials, uh, the Lord never tempts us to sin. He doesn't try to make us sin. Uh, he himself 
cannot be tempted and he doesn't tempt anyone and so we'll read that in verse number 13 these things are important to get into our head the difference between these um, trials and temptations James was writing to people who are facing a lot of hard circumstances in life some had to take joyfully the spoiling of their earthly goods others had seen their family members persecuted and killed perhaps others had faced disappointments in life that we don't know about life ultimately was hard and can be hard for us as well in fact it is through tribulations that the word of god says that we enter the kingdom so so trials are a part of the christian life and we're going to see why that's the case and how uh, we can live in a joyous way through them so james having given us his introduction we thought about that in the last podcast he jumps right into the letter itself. Look at verse number 2. We'll read down from verse number 1 right down to verse number 18. James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing if any of you lack wisdom let him ask god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given him but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind but let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the lord he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes but the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits Blessed is the man who endures temptation or testing. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed or entrapped. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth, by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures now we know god blesses his word to us as we read it together so if you turn over the handout into the middle two pages uh, you will see that i have I've divided the whole of the section under two headings understanding trials and understanding temptation from verse 1 understanding trials from verse 13 understanding temptation just looking a little bit at the scriptures and some of the some of the lessons we can learn as we move down i've put a section for um that i used almost as short notes 
and then beside that you can put in your own thoughts and develop them in your own time the first little subsection grasping the goal in trials or the school of life is seen from verse number two to four it says here count it all joy when you fall into various trials now here we have the thought of trials rather than temptations i think diverse temptations is what we read in the authorized but it seems in context that it's dealing with trials you'll notice that little expression that you fall into these trials and um, that's the same expression that's used of the man who went down from jerusalem to jericho and he fell among thieves so he comes round a corner and he's face to face with thieves and he tries to go backwards you can imagine uh, the scene and there they are behind him as well and that at times is the way trials come our way we we don't anticipate them they just come no matter we anticipate them or not and yet it says something remarkable here it says count it all joy or reckon it all joy don't be thinking it's oh well there's some good things in this but mostly this is a tough time and you just have to get through it and you know actually grasp the opportunity to view the whole experience in a joyous spiritually positive way that seems to be what he's saying count it all joy when you fall into diverse or various trials why can you do that and how can you do it how can you look at these things in a joyous way verse number three knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience now we looked at this word a little bit in the bible study and we saw that it it has this thought of endurance behind it of perseverance it's it's this um stubbornness not to give up and to to grow in our christian life and to make sure that we're not affected by uh winds and and changes that that might affect us otherwise and how do we get here knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience so the reason why we can look at trials in a positive way is because we know the end game we know the goal in the trials is to produce this this change in our character let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete this is a thought of maturity of full grownness of adulthood uh, and complete that's the thought of all our parts in the right place uh, nothing missing in our christian life um lacking nothing that's tremendous when you think of it that really god brings trials our way whatever they are and they can be very sore and very difficult but we should actually approach them with this positive mindset that god is actually using these trials to make me more like christ i used the illustration of the silversmith um i heard it from uh, i think originally um i heard it from t ernest wilson um late of angola he was in portugal on one occasion and he went to see a silversmith and he looked uh, into into the shop and the silversmith was working or whatever uh this place where he was working uh, and he went to speak to him now the man i don't think was a believer or anything he was sitting and he was looking down into this furnace of molten silver 
and every once in a while he would have tapped his little machine and and the top level of dross would have been taken off the silver as it bubbled up or whatever and uh, Ernest Wilson spoke to him and said how do you know when the process is complete and the man looked at him and laughed or whatever and he, he said to him when I see my reflection in the silver I know that the process is complete isn't that wonderful in our lives here we are we go through trials temptations difficulties all these kind of things and the big thing is that in the trials in the temptations in the difficulties it's like a furnace and the Lord is looking upon us and as he takes the dross out of our faith and the genuineness that can be the thought behind this word testing the genuineness or the provenness of your faith um, having produced this endurance in our lives and this this better Christian character means that we begin to reflect Christ more and more and so as the Lord looks upon it he knows that the test is over as it were when he sees his perfect reflection in us that's just a little illustration if any of you lack wisdom so this is the second little section now grasping the goals and trials now asking God in trials you find yourself in the middle of having fallen into trials the thing you want to be doing if is if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given him let him ask or be asking in faith so this is the thought here of of how we pray in trials how we pray for wisdom to live a God-honoring life in the middle of trials that's really what's being thought about here uh, to live skillfully to live morally upright lives when circumstances come our way uh, obviously we've got the word of God the word of truth we'll think about that in a while but there we go um, <clears throat> how do we do that we have to be asking God any of you lack wisdom let him ask God and and we find out something about God's character not only is the problem here lacking of wisdom the petition is let him give let him ask of God and then we have the character of God the person of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him this is the thought of God's generous single-hearted open-handed desire to give us what we need the wisdom that we need to honor him in our lives now this is good so God doesn't it says upbraideth not in the old uh, version and um, the authorized it, 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 it's really this thought of 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 almost that you get when when you give somebody something but you're grudgingly doing it and you say oh that's the fifth time you've asked me for that or something like that the Lord's not like that every time we come it doesn't impoverish him to give us or enrich him to withhold he is infinite he has all the resources and so he wants to give to us liberally and without reproach and it will be given there's the promise it will be given to him that's a wonderful thing to think but let him ask in faith and so here's the here's the converse side this is 
this is our responsibility in it. God says, I, I, I promise I'll give you wisdom if you come and ask um, me for it in the circumstance. I will give it to you. Let him ask in faith. There has to be a dependence on our part. A desire to do the Lord's will, I think, is implied in this as well. Um, without doubting, without disputing, it's this thought of a, maybe an inner conflict. Um, for he who disputes or doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let him, not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So this seems to be a thing of disputing with the wisdom. I take it. Um, it's almost um, doubting the Lord's ability to give the wisdom, perhaps, but a wee bit more than that. It might just be not wanting to accept that wisdom from the Lord. Don't expect the Lord to just show you the wisdom so that you can walk away from it and say, well, I don't really want to do that. So when we come into the presence of the Lord asking for wisdom, we've got to come with a, a clear heart, a single eye desire to do his will that's when we will really understand the wisdom that comes from God and, and that's when we will have that peace and quietness in our soul otherwise we're tossed to and fro we're, we're, we know to have a bearing we're, we're all up, upside down we might say so that's really the thought I take in this section double minded is twin, twin soul or two souled I take it this is a man that's trying to do two things he's trying to get the wisdom of God and he's also trying to follow the world and that doesn't work if we're wanting to really um, get this wisdom from God so that's the second section grasping the goals in the trial asking God in the trials and now God's perspective in a particular trial verse 9 to 11 uh, for the sake of time we'll maybe uh, just leave that uh, little section um you will notice, however, that God's wisdom in this section is countercultural. Uh, here we have a lowly brother glorying in the fact that he's been brought high. He's been exalted. Um, how has he been brought high? Spiritually, he's enriched by um, his salvation. The, the rich brother, instead of, of glorying in his wealth, is, is actually glorying in the fact that he's been brought low by the Lord and saved because after all all the riches he has are all going to pass away that's the next couple of verses the rich man and all that he has will fade away naturally so so he's glorying in the fact that he's been brought low by the Lord so this is this spiritual perception this is the wisdom that he's been speaking he said now here's an example for you verse 90 11 of this in action there's big trials going on and in, in in the letter to James for the poor believers the trials is that there are rich men are, are persecuting them you'll find that later on in the book um, and, no, uh, and, and James he writes and he says listen as far as this whole thing's concerned just you remember this the, the wisdom that comes from God will make the poor brother glory and his eternal riches will make a rich brother glory in the fact he's been brought low so just that that's kind of a, a working model of what he's been speaking about and then finally um, the graduation from trial verse number 12 blessed is the man who endures temptation I don't really think that's the force here 
I think it's more the thought of trial, enduring that trial, coming through the trial. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay, so this idea of the crown of life, you can trace these Stephanos, these, these victor's crowns, the laurel wreaths, through the New Testament, different uh, times when there, there are crowns that the Lord is going to give to those who love him. In this case, enduring the trial, coming through it, coming out the other end, will lead to an enriched experience. Practically now, and, and will lead in the, eventually at the end of the, every trial, in the graduation day in heaven, will lead to a crown. Um, of life and all that's meant by that. Okay, so that's understanding trials a little bit better. What about understanding temptation? I'll speak just for three minutes or four minutes on this. We we probably didn't take much longer when we were dealing with it in the Bible study because we ran out of time. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. We looked a little bit at the whole idea of God not being able to be tempted. God is not uh, temptable. He can't be uh, solicited uh, to sin. Solicited to sin or whatever. Um, and he doesn't do that on others either. So this is the purity and the holiness and the goodness of God. God is not to be blamed by us when we feel and we sin. So the first thing he points to God's nature. That's important that when we've actually fallen, when we've sinned, we've when we have done something wrong, there's a danger that we'll start to view the situation and say it's God's fault. Or or, or I was brought into such a situation, I can do anything about it. But that is not true. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen points out the fact that in temptation, um <clears throat> God makes a way of escape and, and so when you constantly refuse that way eventually that's when temptation becomes a real problem uh, for us anyway so that first of all he points to God's nature and he says listen God isn't the source of your temptation secondly he says he points to our nature verse 14 and 15 he says if anyone is tempted he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed or entrapped and when that desire is conceived it gives birth to sin sin when it's fully grown gives birth to or it's actually an interesting word behind this gives birth to death what a horrendous thought you think of the birth process and the wonder is that there's new life there And, and sin when it reaches its culmination and when it's fully grown it gives birth to something it has offspring that offspring is death. That is the process of um, temptation and what it brings in us. You see, it's us that is the problem, not God. He is drawn away by his own desires and entrapped. I, I put a wee illustration in there, the monkey, the monkey trap in the Jungle Doctor's fables, if anybody knows that. Well, what happened there was the little monkey was stealing, I think, um, constantly from um, one of the Africans um, in the illustration. And so they set up a trap to catch the monkey. They put nuts inside of 
I think it was a large container. Uh, and so this little monkey, he comes in and there's a little hole where he can put his hand into the container and grasp around the nut. And he tries to withdraw his hand, but the, 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 the containers, the hole in the container is too small for him to get his little hand out again. And so he has an option in a sense. His option is either to drop the nut <coughs> and to go away um, without anything. But he can't do it. He's so grasping hold of what he desires that he will not let go. Nothing will make him let go. And so he does it to his own eventual destruction. He holds on and holds on and holds on to that nut and will not let it go. And because of that, he is the very thing that's entrapping his will uh, and the, his desire is entrapping him and that's the case with temptation as well you'll notice what he is saying in a sense is that just as a right response to trials can result in growth and spiritual maturity so a wrong response to lust will result in decline uh, to abject spiritual poverty and ultimately death itself so what's the answer? And this is what where we're going to pick up next week. The answer to it all is in God himself. The last two verses that we read, 16 to 18, three verses. Don't be deceived, my beloved brother. Now, there is the tempter in the garden, you see, always try to take us away from enjoying, takes us away from enjoying the character of God. Let every man understand, my brother, Beloved brethren, he says, do not be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. And so here we see the generosity and goodness and fidelity and holiness of God all brought it together. And he says, listen, the God that you and I serve, he has a purpose. He, is, he wants us to be his first the first roots of his creatures he wants us to be different he wants us to be his own special treasure so that's why we're to live in a victorious way in relation to trials and temptation sorry for going on a bit long in this one i'll try not to be as long next time